Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keel Guard Studios. Just like that, a ticking time bomb goes off, and we're in episode number two. Overall, episode 296 of Bass Edge Radio. But our second episode for 2019, Aaron, like we mentioned in episode one, we're rocketing into 2019 really fast. And, um, you know, talking about rocketing, now that you've had your uh, new four-stroke from Mercury for a little while, what do you see in the benefits of the four-stroke from the Mercury fans out there? Well, first and foremost, I have 16 hours on it, you know, and I can track that. I love the way that the new Lowrance system allows you to keep track of your total trip log now and anything that's above three miles an hour registers on there. So I, I know exactly how many hours I have on the motor. But, you know, I will tell you, Kurt, I was a little apprehensive. I grew up motocross racing and I grew up in the two-stroke world as well as on the boat motor side. And when you make that transition to a four-stroke, you think you're giving up that quick response of getting out of the hole, the mid-range. Uh, certainly we know on the fuel economy, we know that you're not using any oil that you're having to mix so you're saving some dollars there of course i still run in the crankcase and that still run all lucas products there but i am pleasantly surprised and it's beyond just the sound you know everybody talks about well they sound like a ferrari well that they do but the real deal is how they drive getting out of the hole the mid-range you step on the gas if i have somebody that's sitting over in my passenger side and i run a single console on that nitro z21 but if i step on it i'm running 3,000, 3,200 rpms and i floor it it throws them back in the seat as well as when I let off, it really shuts down quickly. And I like that fact of just the responsiveness. It looks completely different than the original 250 Pro XS, but it does not add any length, even though it is kind of a visual perception. I'm still able to fit it in my garage. So many benefits that I think I've really fallen in love with just in the 16 hours that I've actually ran it. Yeah, and and it seems to me, if you look at the bass boat market out there, that a lot of people are seeing this new motor. And as always with a new product, it takes time to get it to market. And when I mean get it to market, actually get it into consumers' hands because you have all these boat companies that are putting Mercs on them, you know, the Nitros and many other boat companies out there that are Mercury-oriented, you know, as far as throwing those motors on the back of their uh, transom. That's a lot of boats. So it's it's coming into the consumer market at a fairly regular pace, but not a blistering pace. And so I right. think you've got people out there that are waiting to get that four-stroke. And so instead of buying used boats with the Optimax and the, and the two-stroke, that was a good motor. Obviously, it's not the new greatest and latest, but still a solid motor that Mercury's been out with since the early 2000s. And you're starting to see those boat prices drop a little bit, aren't we? Man, that is the truth. I know just in the regional market that I'm in and several friends, you know, trying to sell their boats to make the transition over, there's a lot of boats out there for sale and those prices are coming down, which if, you know, a lot of times on here, we talk about new stuff and acquiring new stuff, but really right now is a perfect opportunity to go and and get a a year or two-year-old boat at a steep discount. And I think part of that is a lot of those guys were waiting to see what the verdict was on the four strokes, you know, on performance and everything else. You know, my Nitro Z21, it hits 73.8 miles an hour mid-fuel live wells 
normal tackle, which normally, you know, under the old motor, it was about a 70 mile an hour boat. So that has people, you know, anxious on a lot of the gearheads that like the performance and stuff like that. So now it's created opportunity for the used boat market if you're a buyer, not necessarily yeah. a seller. And talking about the used boat market, obviously Megaware, proud sponsor here of Bass Edge for years and years and continue to appreciate their support in 2019. But um, you can spoof up those older boats that don't have all the tricks and bells and whistles and, and get your you know keel guard put on there the longest in the market do-it-yourself keel guard protector and uh, throw a flex step on there and a skeg guard and a scuff buster and all of a sudden before you know you know it might have looked a little beat up because it, it had a few years on it but now you got a brand new rig with awesome accessories and you're ready to uh look good at the ramp right at, <laughs> at the end of the day it's about catching fish kurt right and uh and being <laughs> no, able no, to no, do no, no, no. <laughs> i want to look good at the ramp yeah, that's that's right. That's right. It's a catch 22, right? I mean, some you don't catch them every day, but if you don't catch them, you want to look good. I noticed that the most likes that you can get on social media is, um, you know, my buddy Brad Hallman just got a big jacked up truck and, uh, you know, he's got his brand new boat with actually he's got the new, you know, Merc four stroke on it and everything. And, um, that's his most liked post over the last four or five weeks. So, uh, he, you know, people love looking good and, and that's part of the game and, and certainly Megaware can do that. So, Some of uh, us just have to work harder than others. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, if you can, if you can have a fistful of bass and look good, that's mm, right. Now you're doubling down, right? <laughs> now you're doubling down. But hey, Without further ado, we need to go to our tackle tip brought to us from protecttheharvest.com. Stay tuned. We've got an interesting tip coming up right here on Passage Radio. The protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with FLW Tour Pro, Tyler Stewart. Hey, guys. I want to talk to you about something that works well for me back home. It's a term we call power flipping. It's a technique where most people, when you think of flipping, is is a really slow deal where you're picking just everything apart. When you're power flipping, you know, it's really covering a lot of water, but at the same time, picking out all just like the main key pieces of cover. I like to use like a three-eighths or a half-ounce weight when I'm doing it to, you know, get the bait in and out of the water so I can uh, cover, you know, water quickly and move more efficient. And uh, it's a technique I use when, you know, the fish are really keyed on, maybe crawfish or something like that and not really biting something that like a spinnerbait or a square bill that you would normally cover a lot of water with. Power flipping is something I use a lot on um, our river fisheries and stuff back home like the Washtaw River. Basically what I like to do is put the trolling motor on high and just pick apart not every piece of cover but all the obvious stuff while I'm trying to cover water as fast as I can. Sometimes you'll figure out they're on a flipping deal and uh, after you do that then you can slow down and really uh take everything apart that's a great tip tyler appreciate it brought to you by protecttheharvest.com first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now from the makers of lucas oil comes lucas marine products specifically engineered for marine applications protect and lubricate your marine inboard outboard or high performance boat with lucas marine engine oil or lucas synthetic based oil learn more about the complete line of lucas oil and marine products visit lucasoil.com Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. 
Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. this episode to get away from us i really want to get your thoughts on the new rule i guess with flw concerning having the gopros in the boat and get your thoughts and kind of just a general consensus of what you're hearing out there it's an interesting deal i actually think this rule which which the rule states in flw tour pamphlet that every angler has to have a camera on their boat throughout the entire competition day the pov camera right so it could be a, a GoPro or a Garmin Verb or I don't know all the uh, options out there, but any kind of camera that uh, you would put on your boat to kind of tape the day. And you got to have a SD card that's going to tape the whole day, and you actually have to hold the footage until the following event. So you have to – if you fish for two days, you got to hold those two days footage, three days, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You, however many days you compete, you have to hold it till the following event. So really what this is doing, it's sending an uptick of social media. My social media has continued to improve because now I'm utilizing this rule to now take advantage of the mandatory aspect of having a POV camera on my boat during competition and then cutting it into, you know, edits, right? So you're able to see, you know, kind of what I did throughout the event and, you know, through these these uh, POV camera edits. And I think you're seeing this even after this first event at Sam Rayburn is you're seeing this throughout a lot of the field. So it's actually helping promote FLW a little bit more. It's giving more attention to the FLW Tour pros because now they're almost required. Well, they are required to have this based on the rules. So it's enabling them or requiring them and giving them the easy ability to now uptick their social platforms and kind of give more for the fans as far as what's happening in the actual tournament days. So this rule was basically established to be kind of another eye in the sky, if you will, for anglers that maybe won't have marshals at specific events. So depending on obviously participation in that program, I think Rayburn was nearly a full field, if not a full field of marshals. And obviously each place that we go throughout the year are different geographical areas. So we might not have the population you know, that's needed to really fulfill some of those requirements. But that's why the POV camera came into play. I think this is a new trend we're going to see in tournament fishing. So um, it'll be interesting to watch and see how this develops into more uh, media for professional bass anglers. So in your opinion, it's, it's been received fairly well by you guys, the competitors. I think some guys are receiving it well. You know, there certainly was some backlash in back in December when this whole thing was getting, you know, ironed out. But um, overall, I think it's not a perfect system, meaning that the camera does not run exactly like we would want it to the entire time. I mean, there's glitches in life, right? So there's glitches there. But in a general perspective, I think the anglers are starting to see the benefits that it can provide. And I think all of us will see the benefit it provides the organization in the competition environment itself. So um, I think it's a great change. This is one of those things where you see, you know, bass or MLF or FLW do something a little bit different that upticks 
the uh, sport, and I think this is one of those items that turned from a rule to something that really parlayed into exposing bass fishing to more public and getting more attention for the sport. Yeah, pretty crazy times, so yeah. uh, very, very interesting. Well, I appreciate your insight on that because uh, I was shocked when I'd heard and, and seen that, that uh, every angler was required, basically, to have one of those in there. So interesting times, but speaking of interesting times, we have more interesting stuff ahead of us as we are on this side of the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Let's dive in as Paul Mueller joins us for this week's episode, Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, next. This is 2018 Bassmaster Elite Angler Chris Crow. This is FLW Cup Co-Angler Champ Brian News. I am Pro Angler Clark Green. This is BASS Angler of the Year Greg Hackney. I am Pro Angler Bill Lowen, and you are locked in to Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the longest lasting most dependable keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry also for megaware keel guard skeg guard flex step pro and pontoon guard so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick megaware keel guard our featured angler in this episode has just completed his fourth year on the Bassmaster Elite Series and is ready to hit the road for number five, two-time classic qualifier via the Bass Federation and still the owner of the record-setting heaviest one-day five-fish limit bag in the Bassmaster Classic. It was 30-something and change. A big welcome to the show for Paul Mueller. Great to have you on the show, Paul. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, Paul, it's been a long time coming, and when Kurt and I uh, talk about the show and notes and everything else, this is one that I've certainly been really looking forward to because of not only your accolades with you know what Kurt had already mentioned, but being there in the Northeast, FLW Cup champ, Fed champ, you know, and how you came up through the ranks. How in the world did all of this come together for you being out of Connecticut? Can you give us the 30,000-foot view in a day in the life of Paul Mueller, the angler? Yeah, man, to be where I'm at, you know, going into my fifth year on the uh, Bassmaster Elite Series is definitely a dream come true. And, man, I've been very blessed. You know, I've fished at different levels from the co-angler level in FLW and and then the grassroots level in BASS through the nation. And and just, uh, you know, the success that I've had, I've just been very blessed. And it's been an a short period of time. I won the Forestwood Cup in 2011, and I won the uh, Bass Nation National Championship in 2014, and that's what qualified me for the elites. And like I said, I've been really blessed. I love to fish, and I think the biggest thing is just, you know, spending a lot of time on the water. And living in Connecticut, we have a window from basically mid-December to about mid-March on a normal winter where you're getting ice. You're either going ice fishing or you're not fishing at all. And I just love to fish. And the thing is, you know, I'm a multi-species guy. I I'm actually a freshwater guide in Connecticut, and I don't care what it is. I like to fish for anything that swims, and and I feel like there's certain things that, you know, you'll fish for certain types of fish that will actually help you in bass fishing. One example would be I love to fish for crappie. 
and crappy tend to suspend. So what that allows you to do is it allows you to work on your electronics game. And also it helps you catch suspended bass, which there's a lot of times throughout the year that you're going to encounter that. So that's just one example. I just love to fish and I've just put a lot of time in and, and I've been very blessed to be, you know, where I'm at right now. Yeah, Paul, man, it's great. When I was doing some of the research uh, last night, uh, of course, following you on the Elite Series for several years and us fishing together there for a year or two, it's fun to watch and, and kind of see how an angler kind of transitions into this career. And usually in the first two years or three years, you see an individual or an angler, either they figure something out and kind of get a niche and set a career path, or they kind of lose focus a little bit and they start doing some other things, typically out of necessity. And it kind of filters them away from the fishing career and the fishing industry quite as much. You're one of those guys that found that niche in this industry. I mean, you got a cool little YouTube thing going on and you mentioned about your guiding and you're in a part of the country that loves the outdoors and there is a ton of people that live in the northeast part of this country so um a lot of positive things going on there and then your early success watching and seeing the success you had as a co-angler in the flw was actually really surprising to me i I didn't know about that until you mentioned it and doing some research how did that set the path for you i mean was that something calculated or were you just out having some fun and then it all just fuddled together no you know i mean the thing is you know the main goal was to fish for a living to do what i do now i didn't really have a blueprint for it but it just kind of all fell together and you know when i won the forestwood cup in 2011 that was a sixty thousand dollar payday so that was a good chunk of change and what it allowed me to do was kind of take a year off from work and i did different types of jobs i'd frame houses and i I had all kinds of different jobs but i really wanted to fish and and thankfully in in most of the jobs that i had Uh, I usually was able to have a pretty flexible schedule where I could travel and fish those FLW tour events as a co-angler. So I was always able to fish, but I wanted to fish full time. So that allowed me to kind of pursue doing other things like doing YouTube videos and and the guiding thing really, it was something that, you know, I I didn't have the intentions of doing it right then and there, but I started doing YouTube videos. I had a lot of requests via my website, hey, do you guide, do you guide? And so the light bulb kind of went off. And, you know, it's funny, all the time in the water and all the years of fishing and fishing for different species of fish, that was preparing me for guiding. Because, you know, I guide for, a lot of it is bass, obviously, but I guide for crappie, I guide for perch, for northern pike, for carp, uh, trout. And as a professional guide, it allows you to book more trips throughout the year. And I, I do ice fishing trips too. So, you know, when you fish at the level of the Bassmaster Elite Series, it, it is a very expensive deal. Going on the road, entry fees, there's just so many expenses and they pile up. And sponsors definitely help a lot, but you have to kind of find a different way to make money as well. And for me, guaranteed money is guiding and just putting the work in. And uh, and I enjoy it too. The yeah. great thing about guiding is you get to fish with people of all different skill sets that love fishing. And I'll fish with people that haven't fished for 15 years. And then I'll fish with people that fish tournaments every weekend. So it's really cool. You make new friends and you're out on the water. And the thing is, there's nothing that replaces being on the water. And I feel like that even helps you more rather than if you're obligated to sponsorship stuff, which, you know, there's a balance obviously between the two. Sure. But the more time you're away from being on the water, you're not going to be as sharp. So I, I like the guiding gig. You know, it definitely, um, 
I feel like you're sharper the more you're on the water. That's a great explanation and great insight to what built the uh, foundation of Paul Mueller in this industry. Let's discuss the cold water fishing, specifically before ice over. You mentioned, you know, in Aaron's last question that kind of mid-December through mid-March, you guys are chilly up there, chilly enough to create some hard water. We're now sitting in the middle of January, you know, and I'm sure every year has a little bit different of fluctuation, but let's talk first about sub 40 degree water temps. That's something that I don't see at all down here where I'm from. And a lot of people are avoiding fishing in the Northeast or up North in general in these cold water temperatures, but it's obvious you're having a lot of success. How do you go about finding bass in sub 40 degree water temps? That's a complicated question because it depends on the body of water that you're fishing. So, sure. you know, you, what you have to do is you have to break down, A, the body of water, meaning if it's a natural lake and it's shallow with grass or if it's a deep, clear reservoir with no grass and rock. There's so many different variables, but you're also talking about two different species of fish up here too, largemouth and smallmouth. And the colder it gets, the harder I feel like at certain places it is to catch largemouth where smallmouth, you can always catch smallmouth. And that's why I love smallmouth fishing. So, because no matter how tough it is, how cold the water is, you can always trigger that fish into biting. But you can catch a good amount of largemouth as well, but you really have to look at the body of water. And then you have to look at the forage base. Lakes that fish are keying in on bait fish versus lakes that they're keying in on crawfish or even like yellow perch, which tend to be shallower in colder water on a lot of those natural lakes or even bluegill and stuff like that. That's going to dictate your lure presentation and it's also going to dictate where those fish are located. So without going into a complicated answer, if your lake has grass in it, typically those fish will stay shallower even when the water's cold because the food, as long as that grass is healthy, that food will always be around it. And I've caught fish through the ice in four, five, six foot of water. Mostly largemouth, but I can think of a natural lake where I've caught smallmouth jigging in 12 foot of water. So that's one end of the extreme. And then you have like our largest lake, Candlewood Lake in Connecticut, I consider that a bait fish lake. The main bait fish is Elwives. Very similar to blueback herring, shad, that type of deal. And those fish will get out deep. The colder the water, the deeper that bait gets. And so on a lake like that, it's all about finding the bait. The biggest thing in breaking down water to find fish in cold water, one is good mapping. If you have a good map of the lake, it helps a tremendous amount because you, you got to kind of get a lay of the land, but also electronics. So if I'm on a body of water that I don't have a good map, say if it's a small 900-acre lake, I will go out there before I fish it, if I've never fished it before, and I will map, maybe not the whole lake, but the areas of interest. Areas of interest would be flats, points, humps, deeper weed lines, depending on, obviously, the layout of the lake. But the map is so important, and the other thing is your electronics. The right. biggest thing for me on finding fish is my electronics, second to the mapping. And the Garmin Pan Optics has been so key in cold water fishing for me. And that's why I really love, I, I enjoy cold water fishing. I, I would say this time of year is probably my favorite time. This phase is my favorite time to fish just because a lot of it is electronics. And Garmin has come out with that Pan Optics and they have a live view forward and a live view down. What live view forward is, is you can set it to different distances, but a lot of times I'll keep it anywhere from 70 to 100 
bird foot and any direction I point the trolling motor, I can look ahead right. wherever I'm pointing that trolling motor, 70 to 100 foot in live time. So you can really see what's going on around you. And then they have that live view down setting, which is a super wide angle. You can see up to a 40 foot span, 20 foot to each side of the boat in live time. So what you have to realize is with that technology, the target separation is way better than traditional sonar. With traditional sonar, what happens is it sends a signal down, it gets a return, and it writes it on the screen, so it's partial history, but traditional sonar will always kind of default to the highest point what's around the cone angle. So if you have mm -hmm. a stump, if you have a high spot of a drop-off, that's where your default is going to go. So there will be certain voids in the bottom, and when you're dealing with cold water bass, those fish are on the bottom. Right. They're so tight to the bottom that it takes a trained eye with traditional sonar to see it. But that live view down has really opened up to where you can see those fish so much better because the target separation is totally different. There's not those voids, and you just see more of a clearer picture in live time of what's going on down there. And so those are very important tools and I love to fish cold water because you know even on the lakes that I fish I don't know everything about those bodies of water so if I have free time I'm going to go and try to find new water a new school of fish and that's what I really enjoy and, and it's all electronics this time of year. That's great stuff right there it leads me right into my next point because you know Paul your diversity obviously given the amount of hardware and titles and what we've already spoke of on the elite tour and the other areas that you have fished in you can do a lot of different things I guess my question to you tagging on to what you just explained if the fish are not reacting what are slight changes that we as anglers that bass edge nation can make for kind of this colder water wintertime fishing when you're dealing with cold water i feel like the strike zone shrinks dramatically at times and sometimes it's like really small so you have to kind of keep that in mind obviously the most important thing is knowing that you're around them and knowing that you actually are on fish but I try to keep it real simple with lure selection and, and that's the good thing about cold water fishing is that you don't need a boat full of lures and stuff like that like say you would in the summertime or whatever you're keeping it very simple basically four different baits and you can cover any type of body of water from a shallow natural lake to a deep reservoir a hair jig a finesse swim bait some type of living rubber jig and then what i call the freestyle technique which is basically a little finesse worm on a jig head and we're going to kind of go into that i'm sure in in this interview on what the freestyle technique is but those are my four baits and basically when you're dealing with a lake where it's shallow it's crawfish the hair jig and the living rubber jig are the two choices for that when you're dealing with bait fish it's the swim bait and the freestyle jig and the freestyle style jig for me is kind of eliminated a drop shot in the way that I fish it. Wow. Now, yeah, I mean, and the reason for that is when you're dealing with a drop shot, you have a hook, it's on a fixed line, and then you have your weight. So you can play with leader length, and you can definitely be successful in, in adjusting that. But what the freestyle technique is, essentially, is it's a three or three and a half inch reins bubbling shaker, and it's on a, a little light jig head. The lighter, the better. The lighter the jig head, the better the action. The lighter the line, the better the action. And what I can do with that, and the reason I call it the freestyle technique is because I can fish it any depth of the water column. So there's different ways to fish it throughout the year, but it's deadly in cold water because a lot of times the good thing about cold water is those fish are on the bottom. And those lakes that have bait fish, they're not chasing bait like they are in the summertime. They're not suspended. They're on the bottom and they're not moving as much as they would in the summertime. Sometimes they move so much in the summer that it's hard to get a cast to them. 
when you're dealing with cold water fishing, it's actually a lot easier to position the boat directly over the fish. And then what I do with that freestyle technique is I drop it right on top of them. As soon as they see it, a lot of times just keeping it slightly above the fish, the key is keep it above them at all times. And it's a constant shaking of the rod. But it's not like aggressive shakes. I'm just getting that bait to kind of quiver. Short and pulse, that's a right? deal. The difference between that and the drop shot is there's certain times where you have a fish that is very lethargic, you know, and that was the beginning of this question is how do you catch those fish? One, if you have good electronics, you can tell that fish's mood. And when I'm fishing the freestyle technique, I know within the first five seconds of that fish engaging with that bait, I know exactly how I have to work that fish. Hmm. If you got a fish that's coming up to that bait very slow, you don't want to move that bait away from him much. You just want to kind of shake it in place. The thing with that freestyle technique that's deadly, what it mimics when you're shaking it and you're, you're fishing it properly, what it mimics is a dying slash nervous bait fish. And that is irresistible to those fish. So a lot of people ask me the question because they, I, I do a lot of social media posts on it, and they say it looks like a Demiki rig. Right, I was is, thinking is, is the same similar, thing. Yeah. Is it similar to a Demiki rig? And I can answer this question just very simply. It's not because a Demiki rig is, A, on a heavier jig head. Most of the time guys fish Demiki rigs on 3.8, half-ounce jig heads, maybe a quarter, but, you know, 3.8 is kind of common. That would be like the opposite end of the spectrum for a freestyle jig. That's about as heavy as you want to go. So... A, it's a lot lighter of a jig head, but what a Demiki rig is essentially is a little fluke style bait. And the proper way to fish a Demiki rig is what those guys do is they dead stick that. There's no movement at all. Talking to guys that grew up fishing that technique, David Mullins, uh, Ott Defoe, guys in that Tennessee area that really know how to fish that technique, they're dead right. sticking it. Right. And when we fished Cherokee Lake in 2017, I, I finished fifth there and I caught every single fish on the freestyle technique. And you know what it was? Looking back on it, I tried the Demiki rig. I poured jigs from a do-it mold. It's an eerie <laughs> jig head. I mean, I had everything ready for that Demiki rig. And I guess I wasn't fishing it properly because, you know, my way of fishing for those type of fish is the freestyle technique and constantly moving the bait. And I've spent so much time with that technique that those fish, that's what they wanted. And I think for me, like, you don't dead stick that freestyle technique at all. So that's why it didn't work for me. I tried it a little bit and I had fish come up to it and go down. And I said, the heck with this. I know what's going to catch these fish. And I, you know, in practice, I switched over to that freestyle jig and I, I was like, all right, this is a deal. So I ran with it in the tournament. So that's kind of like the difference. But the thing is like, when you're dealing with cold water, lethargic fish, I'm using a 13th ounce and eighth ounce in 35, 40 foot of water on right. five pound right. line with a little three inch bait. The deal with this is you're just constantly shaking that bait. So going back to, if that fish is coming up to the bait really slow, right? And he doesn't want to commit to it. You can kind of tell this fish, you got to have to work this fish. You don't want to pull that bait away from him. You just want to keep it in place, shake it, make it look injured. And then sometimes you can see them, they'll just nose up with it. And then sometimes if they're right with that bait and they won't commit, then you raise them a little bit. So it's kind of like a cat and mouse deal and you can tell by their mood on how to catch those fish. And it is my number one technique for dealing with tough cold water fish on a lake that it's a bait fish bite. If I'm fishing a lake that it's a crawfish deal, it's a totally different deal. Then I'm fishing a little small homemade living rubber jig from a do-it mold football jig or like a sparky jig or right. a little aspirin head hair jig from a do-it mold, aspirin head mold. Small stuff though, that's the theme. When you're dealing with tough fishing, 
cold water. It's all about downsizing your bait, micro jigs. I'm talking about stuff that's less than two inches. And that's what triggers bite. And the thing is with jigs too, what you got to realize, whether it's a hair jig or, or a living rubber jig, you want to use the lightest jig that you can get away with. The reason for that is, one, you're not going to get snagged as much. But two, it stays in the strike zone, and it kind of, when you're pulling that hair jig or that living rubber jig over rocks and around cover, it kind of floats through that stuff, and that's what gets bit. Wow, that was an awesome description, Paul. Man, very detailed. Appreciate that. We're going to have to take a quick snack break, let everybody uh, relax for a moment. We're going to power pole down Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right back after this message. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with BASS Elite Series Angler Paul Mueller in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas Oil. It works. Paul, that was a super awesome, detailed, fantastic explanation of how to entice some strikes from cold water fish that are being stubborn for us anglers. And man, it almost like you've nearly developed a technique to your own, which is really awesome with that rain's bubbling shaker and the light jigging with the super light line. Man, one of your hobbies listed, ice fishing. We don't get to talk about ice fishing a whole lot. I can't cruise the lake with my electronics effectively when the water's hard. Dude, tell me what's going down in the ice fishing world. You know, almost a totally new, interesting topic here on Bass Edge Radio. Yeah, you know, I, I love to ice fish. And the thing is, what's cool about ice fishing is the only difference is obviously you're not on a boat. And it's more work because you're punching holes through the ice to find fish. But the thing is, those fish will move throughout the ice season. And you can label the ice season as early ice, mid-season, and then last ice. And those fish will not stay in the same spot all season long. And depending on the lake, the more complex it gets. Different seasons based on time of ice accumulation. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is one of those things where you have fish that will be in certain places on first ice that will not be there in a month from that time. And they yeah. will actually, they'll actually kind of go, like, it depends on the lake. It's a complicated answer, but they will actually move to places. And then as you get to last ice, they actually start moving back to where they're going to start staging. And I've actually seen, I've been on last ice where those fish are getting very close to their staging areas in the spring. So what's good about ice fishing is no matter what type of fishing you're doing, it is a puzzle. No matter what part of the country you're going and fishing, it's a puzzle. So it's no different with ice fishing. There's a puzzle and you're trying to put it together. And the weather dictates that too. If you have a really cold year, those fish will do something different. And the climate prior to that ice season, if we get a lot of rain, I mean, there's so many different variables. So right, you right. learn all this stuff and every year is almost different. It's amazing. Like this year, we've had so much rain just record rain. The rivers are raging up here. I mean, it's just, you feel like it's the spring because the rivers are so high. They're at like flood stage. And so going into this ice season, it's totally different. And that is what is cool. It challenges you. But to break down a lake ice fishing, there's preparation that has to take place prior to that. One, going to a good map. 
So, man, if there's not a good map, I like to make my own map with my Garmin Quick Draw Contours. I have several maps, and I've spent days mapping lakes that I'll ice fish. You got to get a lay of the land. It's a puzzle. You sure, know, it's, sure. uh, sometimes you may know right where they're at, and sometimes you have to kind of go through the, the process of finding them. And the map is key. If you don't have a map, if you don't have a lay of the land, man, I mean, you could spend a lot of time, and, and it's just like... Drilling random holes, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, like, what a lot of people don't realize you know, in some parts of the country, ice fishing is a huge market. There's so much stuff in that ice fishing market. I've been using a, it's a cordless drill with an auger attachment uh, called a K-drill, which now you don't have to manually cut holes. You're literally using a Milwaukee M18 drill and you're cutting through holes and you can just cut a ton of holes. But the thing is you have to, you can't cover nearly the amount of water that you can on the boat. So what you have to do is you really have to have a game plan. You have to have a good map. And uh, GPS is so key on that. And then the electronics, you know, I, it's been cool. I've been using the, the Garmin Panoptics uh, through the ice. And, oh, man, you want to talk about breaking down time on cutting holes, I can drill one hole, drop my transducer down on that live view forward and set it to, you know, about 80 foot and do a 360-degree sweep around the hole. And if there's anything anywhere near that, I know exactly what direction, where I need to walk, and the exact distance of where I need to punch the next hole. So technology has definitely kind of sped up the learning curve on finding fish through the ice, but the map is the most essential thing to have, and then electronics next to that. That's why I like ice fishing is because it's a continuation of the puzzle, and there's certain things that you learn, like you learn their mood, you learn what triggers a cold water fish, and a lot of that stuff will translate to open water prior to the ice and then ice out. That whole freestyle technique pretty much originated from ice fishing. A quick story of how it started was I got samples of the three-inch rains bubbling shaker from Japan. It wasn't currently in the U.S. I got it with the intention of fishing it on a drop shot rig, but when I got it, I said, man, this thing is too small for a drop shot. But being a multi-species angler, I said, man, I'm going to put it on a little jig head and see if it'll catch some perch and crappie and stuff like that. And I started catching all kinds of fish on it. And then I started catching a lot of bass through the ice on it. And then from there, like the light bulb went off. Then I realized how deadly it is for bass and cold water i use it for suspended fish as well yeah it's yeah. something that kind of goes hand in hand with my panoptics i always have that bait tied on throughout the year because if i see a fish if i'm in the summertime and i see a fish suspended in the middle of the lake on that panoptics i can literally drop that bait i can see him 40 feet away from the boat throw right to him see my bait on the panoptics and video game that fish mid-screen mid-depth and you can't do that with any other technology. And so that whole freestyle technique has come from ice fishing. It was deadly through the ice, and that's kind of like where the light bulb went off. And then there's just different applications for it. I mean, I've used that little bait on a little jig head on the edge of the weed line in the summertime for post-spawn suspended bass, like when they get just kind of like when they suspend right near the, the weed edge. And, like, I figured that out by accident, by perch fishing. So there's certain things that you can do ice fishing that sometimes will kind of translate to catching fish throughout yeah, the year. Yeah, here I thought ice fishing was just uh, going out on the ice and sitting in a shack and trying to stay warm and having some fun playing some cards and drinking beer. So I got to, I had that all wrong. <laughs> I was going uh, for the cocktails. That's, that's usually what most people think. That's exactly how it's labeled. But, uh, you know, when I go ice fishing, it's cutting a lot of holes. It's working a lot and using your electronics. And it's video game fishing. That's, that is what's so cool about ice fishing is that you are – I guess the advantage of ice fishing – is that you don't have to control a boat. 
You can I think that we should there. have an elite ice fishing league. I like that idea. <laughs> I think. It, I think. I, do they have like events? I'm, I bet you they do. Sure, they do. Right? They all. Oh, they they have ice ice fishing competitions. Mostly, yeah. it's for other species of fish. But uh, obviously, it's not mainstream. But um, yeah, try convincing some of those guys down south to do that. I'm sure it'll go over <laughs> <Yeah>. real well. <laughs> <laughs> that well, awesome. that's going to tie right in with our listener question this week. Yes, the listener question brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. This question came from Josh. I'm not 100 percent sure how to pronounce your last name, Josh. But I'm going to go with Aladia. Josh was looking for a breakdown on a specific technique. We've done a couple shows, Paul, in the past where we've really broken down a technique. Let's break down your technique that you think that you can expend some terrific knowledge here to uh, Bass Edge Nation. Yeah, so with that freestyle technique, the number one rule is to use the lightest jig head you can get away with. So there's basically three types of jig heads that are available that I use. One is you have to kind of pour your own which a lot of guys don't do. So if you're into pouring your own baits, uh, the do-it molds freestyle jig, we actually made a mold this year for that technique because I do it so much. So I kind of I catered it to where it's the perfect jig head to where I can use different hook sizes for different baits. So if you're into making your own stuff, the freestyle jig is what you want to use for that. If you're into just buying it on the market, there's two different types. You have the Tackle Supply Depot Micro Finesse ball-out jig, which is a little tungsten jig. With a 3-inch bubbling shaker, you want a size 2 hook. With a 3.5-inch bubbling shaker, you want a either a size 1 or size 1-aught. And gotcha. then the other option is a company out of Japan called Zapu, and they make a Kocho head. The regular Kocho head is for the 3-inch shaker. The Kocho Plus is for the 3.5-inch shaker. But most of the time, I'm using a 8-ounce, a 13-ounce, a 3-32nd, etc., Three-inch shaker, when you're dealing with really tough conditions, three-inch. If you're dealing with a slightly bigger bait fish or a little bit more active fish, say ice out, cold water, pre-spawn conditions, a lot of that, like on Cherokee, I was using a three-and-a-half-inch bubbling shaker. All right. So it just depends on the situation. Most of the time, if it's tough, you go to the little, little one, the, the three-inch. Gotcha. But it's the lighter the head, the better. Wow. I'm fishing it on five-pound Gamma Touch fluorocarbon, which is a super light line. The reason that you fish it on light line is when you're dealing with a 13-ounce jig head and you're fishing 30 to 50 foot of water, you need a super thin diameter to allow that bait to get down there as fast as possible. You can't fish it on braid. The only way you fish braid to fluoro with it is if you use something like a 3 8 uh, a 7 16th ounce on that freestyle jig uh, from Do It with a three and a half inch shaker, but that's the end of the spectrum. And then you could go with a 10 pound gamma torque braid, a six pound gamma edge fluorocarbon leader. But when you're dealing with a tough bite, you have to go with that lighter head. You have to go with that small diameter line. And the thing is, you're definitely going to get more bites with a smaller line, but the key with a smaller line is allowing you to work that little bait in deep water and you get the best action. The thing is with light line, no matter what you're fishing, drop shot, whatever, the lighter line, the better action in the bait. Because the thicker the line, the stiffer it gets, even with fluorocarbon, especially with fluorocarbon, it gets stiffer. So your, your action is going to go away the thicker you go. So that's the reason for light line. And so when you're dealing with light line, you have to have the right setup. you got to have the right rod. It's got to have the right load in it. And, and the rod that I like is a Dobbins Fury. It's a 661, so it's 6 foot 6 inches, and the one is a, is a, uh, it's a one power. 
which is a light action, and it's rated for just real light, you know, light baits. Sure. And sure. then the reel would be a Lose Custom Pro Speed Spin in a 1,000 size. And that's my setup when I'm fishing the 5-pound Gamma Touch Fluorocarbon with the light jig. If I'm going to go up and I'm going to fish a 3 8 a 7 16 when those fish are a little bit more active maybe or want a bigger profile in, like, say, the pre-spawn like I did on Cherokee, and I, I predominantly use a 3 8 size in that event with a 3.5-inch bubbling shaker, I'm going to go up to a two-power rod, say something like a Dobbins Fury 702, 7-foot uh, two-power, medium light action, and 10-pound Gamma Torque Braid, 6-pound Gamma Edge, fluorocarbon leader, and then a 2,000-size Lose Custom Pro Speed Spin. Wow, that's the goods right there, Paul. And uh, Josh, I don't know if we can get any more detailed. I really, really appreciate your insight on that, Paul, because that is right what Josh needs, especially for this time of year. And then I also like how you set it up for the coming seasons as well. But Josh, hey, you've got to remember one more thing that we need from you is to contact us through our Facebook or social media, or certainly send in an email at support at BassEdge.com, or simply click on the Claim Your Prize segment there on BassEdge.com. Let us know that you heard Paul answer your question on the show, and we will get that back. Edge gift sent directly to your doorstop. Keep sending in these great questions of the show. We'll toss them out there to the pro anglers and we'll get you the absolute best bass fishing education possible right here on Bass Edge Radio. Send in those questions. Email support at bassedge.com. Leave comments on our Facebook, Insta, and Twitter media pages. Paul, it has been a uh, pleasure talking about really some unique topics to me and uh, to hear your level of detail and that I know certainly Bass Edge Nation is walking away with a much higher fishing education IQ as a result of listening to you here on Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts or comments for Bass Edge listeners? Oh, you know, if you live up in the North Country, and I know a lot of people that love to bass fish, and once the ice season comes around, they just pretty much, they hang it up and they wait till the spring, and they're all cabin fever and stuff like that. And, you know, I fish with a lot of guys that, I'm like, do you ice fish? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you gotta get out. You gotta do it. I think if you've never ice fished before, try it. Or go with somebody that knows what they're doing because that's kind of like it's like taking somebody fishing for the first time if you take somebody fishing and you don't catch anything they're probably going to lose interest in it but if you take a kid fishing and they catch fish they're going to be hooked and ice fishing is no different so if you live up in the north part of the country and you have ice on your lake get out on the water do some ice fishing and it's a lot of fun yeah that's cool it sounds like a lot of fun paul i'm going to send you off with our final segment four last questions for you what is one lure you'll purchase to fish with in 2019 that's not not a sponsor product. Oh, I'd have to say uh, like a dual Realis spy bait in a 90 size. I have come to really love to fish that technique, and um, that would be one sponsor product. As far as a spy bait goes, I don't have any sponsor tied to them, but that's the best one on the market, that 90 size. So that would be one for sure. All right. After all this travel you've been doing the last seven or eight years, your favorite lake in the country? You know, that's a tough one. We fish a lot of good fisheries, and it's a tough answer but i'm gonna say nothing beats being home and fishing on your home water so i'd have to say my home lake of uh candlewood lake in connecticut very cool okay okay you got a lot of rookies in the 2019 elite series class who's your pick for rookie of the year man that's a tough one man i that is it you is. know what um i think i'm gonna stay neutral on this one man with all respect to those guys because they're all i mean we have a lot of talent coming through but you know what? if i have to pick one if you're gonna force me to pick one i'm gonna have to say one of the johnson brothers 
from can't the, go wrong there. there. Those guys, lots of experience. Yes, lots they're, of experience. They're very there. good. They're, they're, I think the way the schedule sets up, we got some northern tournaments, and then we have some tournaments that they've fished before on the FLW side. Either one of them, uh, they're they're both very talented anglers. They're young and uh, they're very versatile as well, and they proved that on the FLW tour. So uh, it's going to be uh, interesting competing against them because you're going to see them at the top. And uh, I love good competition. So, uh, but That's yeah, right. look out for those guys for sure. And your number one goal for 2019 hands down to win that's it easy said easy done thanks paul man i appreciate you being on the show uh, as aaron mentioned earlier it's been a great educational experience for me aaron and all of bass edge nation appreciate your candid uh, outlook on fishing and the techniques you provided us today we look forward to following your success in 2019 bass edge radio will return in just a moment you know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Aaron, wow, that was detailed. What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be one that I think I will have to go back and listen to, probably split it up into listening a couple different times because the information was intense, good, but a lot coming at us in a, in a short period of time there. Yeah, no question. You know, I think what's critical with what Paul brought to the table is how important it is to be so precise when the fishing is tough. You know, we're talking about sub 40 water temps. I mean, we're in the middle of January. Most of the nation frigid cold or in a colder, you know, the coldest segment of the year, right? I mean, January is no doubt the coldest month of the year in all 50 states, I believe, right up through about mid-February, and then it starts to break for the year. So this is some great information that Paul was able to provide on really some, I would say, extreme finesse fishing, which we saw some of this, and as he alluded to, the Cherokee event a couple years ago with the Elite Series Tournament, and how he's taken his own course of action and found a way to better get some reaction out of some fish and, and kind of have his own technique, which is really cool. Very neat. And certainly I think a lot of that comes from him being a multi-species guide, which uh, I do believe yeah. gives him an edge. So yeah, well done, Paul. Appreciate his time. And certainly as always, we appreciate the listeners' time that they invest by uh, hearing you and I, Kurt, blabber on the radio. But uh, anyway, long story short, we are finished here for the entire Bass Edge crew, Kurt Dove and myself. We look forward to seeing you February 1st for episode 2 Have a great week, everybody. So long. The Edge.
Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 